The Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 16. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. This is the gospel of our Lord. Is there something in your life that you wish you could change? If you had the power to do so, let's say, let's say you could be God for a day. What, what changes would you make to your life right now? Would you put more money in your pocket? And maybe you're thinking, I don't even need to be rich. I just, I just like to not have to worry by the middle of every month, am I going to make it to the next paycheck? Maybe it's your health that you would fix at the snap of a finger, all the pain that you feel, the, the chronic sickness that you endure, just you know, being able to walk without having you know, that pain in, in your legs. Maybe to fix your eyesight. Or maybe it's the health of someone that you love, that, you watch, that you're watching suffer, that, that you would fix if you had the power to do so. Maybe you wish you could finally get along with your family, that you could get together for a holiday like Easter, and when you do, it's not filled with tension and drama. You're just waiting and wondering what's going to set off the next argument, what's going to set off World War III, that there would just be peace with the people you think should love you the most. If you had the power to do it, what, what would you change in your life? Maybe you'd want to go back in time and have some do-overs or just erase what you've done in the past. Those things that, that you really messed up on, those things that you regret still to this day saying or doing. Things you've tried to let go, but you just can't. Things you won't forgive yourself for because maybe deep down you're unsure if God has really forgiven you because it's so bad or you did, did that sin so many times. If you had the power to change something in your life, what would it be? Maybe right now you're caught in a struggle with a sin in your life. Something you don't want to be doing. Something that infuriates you every time you fall into it. It's a weakness of your flesh that wins more often than not. Friends, you probably don't have to think real hard about the things in your life that you'd like to be different, right? That you would change if you had the power to do so. If you think about it long enough, there's probably a whole lot that you wouldn't change. And while it might be interesting to think about what we'd change in our lives if we were God for a day. It's not reality, of course, and it never will be. And the fact is, in, in, in the true God's divine wisdom and in his perfect knowledge, for reasons and according to his ways that are always good and right, he never promises to take away pain or difficulty in this life. He doesn't promise to take away physical impairment or our depression. God doesn't promise to give you the amount of money that you think you need. God doesn't promise anywhere that your relationships in this life are going to be filled with peace. But friends, instead, he promises something far, far greater than all of that. He promises things that, that you would have never even thought to ask for or you could ever even imagine. 
He promises something that doesn't just last you a lifetime, but something that lasts for eternity. And what he does is he points you to a cross. A cross that's stained with with holy and innocent blood. And then he takes you to a tomb where, where the lifeless body of the person whose blood stained that cross, where that body was laid. At least where his lifeless body used to lay. And friends, if you're thinking this morning, yeah, yeah, I know. I've heard this a thousand times before. The tomb is empty. Jesus died. Jesus lived. So what? What does it matter? If you're here this morning thinking that, if, if what this day of Easter means has somehow become disconnected from your reality, if the troubles of your life make you forget this fact, well, then you're not alone. It even happened to the people who were closest to Jesus when he was here on this earth, the people who got to see him, who got to listen to him and hug him, who were friends with him, people who saw him beaten and hung on a cross to die, who, who saw his lifeless body taken down and placed into a tomb, who saw the heaven, heavy stone rolled in front of the entrance and guards posted there. This is what they saw with their eyes, which is why they forgot. And because of that, everything they knew and everything they believed and everything they hoped for was changed. It was really empty. It was destroyed. The one that they had put their faith in, he was dead. And it changed everything for them. He was dead. And so what was the obligation of the loved ones to the deceased? Well, to go to prepare his body for burial with oils and spices. And so three of Jesus' friends, Mary Magdalene, James's mother Mary, and Salome, bought spices to prepare his body for burial. And what were their thoughts as they went to that tomb that early Sunday morning? Were they weeping as they went? Asking each other how this all just didn't seem real They were focused on how they were going to get that big stone moved away from the entrance to the tomb so they could get in there and get to his lifeless body. But when they arrived, they found something they did not expect at all. The stone that they were worried about being in their way to get to Jesus' body, it it was rolled out of the way. They were able to enter right into the tomb and there was a young man dressed in white sitting inside the tomb. He says to them, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. It's like the angel saying to these women, remember, he told you this was going to happen. He told you he'd be crucified. He told you too that on the third day, that's today, ladies, this is the day, on the third day that he'd be raised to life again. And Jesus had told them on a number of occasions that this was exactly what was going to happen. Not long before they came to Jerusalem, he said to his disciples, he says, we're going to go up to Jerusalem and everything that's written by the prophets about the Son of Man, it's going to be fulfilled. He will be handed over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him and kill him. But on the third day, he will rise again. And these women's reaction to the angel's words, Mark writes, trembling and bewildered, The women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Friends, how often in this life are we overcome with fear and with trouble and with pain and with worry? We hear it. We hear it with our ears. Jesus is alive, but it may seem like nonsense to us, disconnected from our reality because our reality seems to say otherwise. 
And maybe we even come here and, and we, we hear about the proof. We, we get to you know, hear about the empty tomb and the grave clothes folded up. And we hear about the risen Jesus and word and sacrament. But it just doesn't sink in because we are just too overwhelmed by the fear and the trouble and the pain and the worry of this life. But dear Christians, let me tell you, none of that, none of what you feel, none of what you think or experience in this life changes the fact that he is risen just as he said. And that fact, that reality, that truth does change absolutely everything. No matter how bad your past is, no matter how tumultuous your present might be, no matter how worrisome you think your future is, Easter changes everything. So what does it mean that Jesus is alive? What's the so what here? How does Easter change everything? Well, friends, when your past failures try to come back and haunt you, he is risen. <laughs> he is risen indeed. Jesus lives and he reminds you that all of your sins were paid for on that cross on Good Friday. On Good Friday, we heard him cry out to Telestai, it is finished, it is complete, every sin has been paid for. And the resurrection is your proof that you are justified, you are declared not guilty. He was delivered over to death for our sins, but he was raised to life for our justification so that we can know without a doubt that all of our sins of the past, every single one, are forgiven, forgotten by God, paid for. He is risen. If you're facing a sin right now that you think has control over you, he is risen. He is risen indeed. And you've been freed from the power of the devil. You've been released from your slavery to sin. And you are redeemed and you are restored and you are empowered to be able to face sin and temptation with the risen Christ living in you and living through you. Sin cannot hold you like death could not hold Jesus in that grave. When you go under the knife for a major surgery, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Jesus lives and he says that in those times of, un, of the unknown and the uncertainty, when you are afraid or when you're in doubt, he will shelter you. He will be your rock. He will be your refuge. And you can know that you are safe no matter what the outcome is. He says, surely I'm with you always, no matter what you're going through, to the end of the age. When you lose your job, and your savings and your credit is destroyed, he's risen. <laughs> he's risen indeed. And he lives to tell you that if he cares for the birds of the air, and he cares for the flowers of the fields, and he provides for every one of their needs, how will he not also provide everything that you need to? There's no need for you to worry. He has provided for your eternity. How will he not provide for your present? When a friend betrays you, a family member stabs you in the back, when they leave you all alone, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Jesus lives and he knows exactly what you're going through. And he's there to sympathize with you. He's there to say, I'm always with you no matter what. I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm the best friend you can ever imagine. I'm your brother who has laid down his life for you and raised it up again to assure you that I'm with you and I love you and I always care for you. When your family seems to ignore you, he's risen. He is risen indeed. Jesus lives and he assures you that, that I'm going to be there. 
I will not let you down. I will never fail you. When you lose your spouse of 30 years, he is risen. He is risen indeed to assure you that he is the resurrection and the life, that whoever believes in him will live even though they die. There's the promise of our loved ones who have fallen asleep in Jesus who had to wake into eternal life with him. When you face your own mortality, every day when you're reminded that you are a mortal human being who will one day have to face death, he is still risen. He is risen indeed. The one who says, I live and I go to prepare a place for you so that someday I'll come back to take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. Friends, Easter changes absolutely everything about our past, about our present, about our future. You know, I'm not sure what you're going to face this week. You might not either. I'm not sure of every struggle you're going to face within and without. We get, don't have the opportunity to walk in each other's shoes and know exactly what, what each other is going through. But, but there's one who does. And he loves you so much that he suffered hell and he died an innocent death for your sins so that you wouldn't have to. And he loves you so much that he rose again to assure you that he knows the struggles. He knows what you've been through, what you're going through, and he knows what your future holds. And yes, friends, I know there's going to be days ahead and, and maybe by this afternoon already that you're going to forget. Like Jesus' disciples who had forgotten all that he had told them and promised to them, so we too fall into that trap of looking at the circumstances of our lives and still live like he's dead. But as they were reminded, as they remembered Jesus' words, so we too, we too get to be encouraged and to remember daily what this day of Easter means for our past and our present and our future, to be reminded as we hear the gospel of the resurrection, and not just once a year, but as the center of our life and our faith and our eternity, that this day that we celebrate is the difference, the absolute difference between hope and despair between freedom and being burdened, and between hell and heaven. Friends, you don't have to leave here today afraid and trembling and bewildered like those women did that morning. Because what you find in the empty tomb of Jesus Christ on Easter, you, can find, you find something that nothing else in this life can offer to you. Freedom, peace, joy, and hope in spite of the circumstances of your life. In that empty tomb of Jesus Christ on Easter, you find the promise that your Redeemer, your Rescuer, your God is alive. The one who says, your past, it's forgotten. The one who says that you're present, it's in his almighty hands. And the one who says that your future is absolutely secure. Easter really does change everything. Amen.